0: Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am mikey (laughs) Coon.
0: This is episode 53, and we're reviewing Tokyo Revengers part two. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I kind of wanted to say season one part two, but it hasn't been officially announced, so I don't want to jinx it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get a season two.
1: Yeah, I was expecting Twitter to blow up with screenshots of you know like the the final seconds of this last of the last episode to say like oh season two coming so and so year, but yeah, when we watched it, there was none of that. Um, but hopefully, they'll make an announcement soon.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, with uh, To Your Eternity, they had a season two announcement literally at the end of the last episode, and that's, that's a trend. It's a thing, um, but maybe Tokyo Avengers needs a little bit more time to figure stuff out before they can commit to a season two. If they leave us with that kind of cliffhanger, though, damn, that's going to be rough. Yeah.
1: So we do have a very good discussion going into today's episode, but we would just like to start off with a bit of somber news um, to share with you all.
0: Kind of a an awkward transition here, um, but we did want to share that we recently said goodbye to our dog, Ein. Um, he lived to be 14 years old, and due to health complications, um, we... We decided it was um, time to, to say goodbye to him. So this was uh, fairly recently. It's it's still pretty raw for both of us. Um, and and yeah, we thought we'd share that just because we have shared a bit about him on this podcast before.
1: Yeah, I would say this is probably one of the tougher parts of being a pet owner. But regardless of that, it was a great... I want to say we've had Ein for about eight years right
0: yeah we uh we rescued him when he was about six or so so yeah was eight eight and a half years with that sweet old pub and he had been dealing with some health complications since november of last year but things got i'd say progressively worse or a lot worse over the last month or two and we we just love him so incredibly much and it's been really tough over these last several weeks so if we sounded kind of off or not like ourselves recently on the podcast that's that's probably why um but we we thank everyone for understanding and we apologize if we weren't bringing our best to the the last few episodes so um it's just kind of been a a wild ride for us
1: yeah again we appreciate everyone's support during this difficult time um and you know i just hope that heinz enjoying it up there
0: He's a good dog. We spoiled the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we've shared a bit about our dogs on both uh, both of our podcasts and on social media. But for those who aren't familiar, Ein and Rigby are our two corgis. Ein was the red and white corgi who, again, was 14 years old. And Rigby is our black-headed tricolor corgi. Um, I think that's the technical term for it, who is four years old. We named Ein after Ein from Cowboy Bebop, and Rigby is named after Rigby from Regular Show. Um, you may have also heard on some of our recent episodes, Rigby is the one who likes to hang out with us while we record and sometimes makes noises in the background.
1: Because he's looking at us right now. Yeah,
0: he's like, why do I keep hearing my name? What did I do? <laughs> um, yes, those are, uh, were our two dogs, um, and they're awesome. If you want to see any pictures of them, we do have them up on our Instagram, they're adorable. Um, perhaps I'm biased in saying that, but all corgis are really cute. But I guess to kind of segue it into anime a little bit, um, again, all very awkward transitions here. But one of the reasons that I love anime is the power and influence it has on its fans, myself included. And after kind of going through this very difficult situation, having to say goodbye to our sweet old pup. I really needed something to help me get through it, and one of those things certainly was anime. I needed some some good fluff, so I started watching Teasing Master Takagi-san, and honestly, it's really helped me get through all of this because it's just feel-good and wholesome. And maybe some of you listening can relate to this, being able to rely on anime to help you get through different situations. Again, it's very much been the case with Takagi-san. I, I knew I wanted something with a lot of fluff, probably some sort of romance anime. Um, so after doing some some digging, I I wanted to watch this for a bit. So I thought now would be a good time. And it's really cute. I really like it. I finished season one. Um, I'm halfway through season two. And I believe season three plus a movie have recently been announced. So I think I'm watching it at the at the right time. You've seen a few episodes too, I think, just in the background while i'm watching it
1: yeah i just noticed that the main female character has a big forehead they all have really
0: big heads yeah but the way her hair is drawn makes her forehead look humongous she got like a five head going on
1: yeah but other than that the only other thing i know of the show is uh, i believe erin yeager's voice actor is the voice for the male lead
0: yes um i don't know his name offhand but let me look him up Cause he's very popular. Yuki Kaji is the voice actor for Nishikata, the the main male protagonist um, of Takagi-san, and yes, he is Aaron yeager's voice actor. But he uses his for anyone who's watched Part Four of JoJo his Koichi voice, which is a much higher pitched um, voice, and I think maybe closer to his natural voice. One thing I have to say about this voice actor is he has incredible range. If you even just think about Aaron Jaeger, like Young Aaron Yeager compared to season four Aaron Yeager, that alone is is pretty. That's a pretty big jump, right?
1: Yeah, it's very versatile of him to now play a a timid a junior high student. Yeah,
0: (laughs) so if you can just imagine Aaron Yeager but sounding like Koichi from season four of JoJo, or season four, part four of JoJo. Um, That's pretty much what this voice actor does. But anyway, really cute show. I'm really enjoying it. Um, It's it's just that wholesome, good stuff that I've been looking for. And I can't wait for season three and also to finish season two. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, it's been a good show so far. And another thing that we've been watching, which has been uh, on our watch list for quite some time, we finally committed to it after our friends over at Anime Brothers Podcast told us that we are missing out by not watching this anime, is Hunter Hunter.
1: Yeah, we were definitely missing out. I know, like, it's so good. I didn't so realize yeah, how much fun I've been having with this show.
0: It's it's awesome. Like I, I understand why. I think it's in the top 10 of all time on Mal. And I completely understand why. We're not even that far in. I think it's 148 episodes total. And we just finished the Hunter exam arc. So that's like, what, 20, 24 episodes, something around that? About
1: 20, I think.
0: And it's really good. I'm loving all of the characters. And I think it's got that consistent hype the whole way through. Like, it's just consistently good every single episode. I haven't really felt a dip yet. Um in in the story, and I hope it continues that way. I mean, 148 episodes—that's a lot to ask, but maybe that's why it's rated so high because it's just consistently good.
1: For me, I I feel like I've been watching the show like almost cautiously, optimistically, because <laughs> I know there have been memes out there where I think people ask like, "Oh, what's the first anime I should watch?" And you know, the <laughs> meme response is *Boku no Pico*. Or, or
0: Clanad season two. Or, yeah, or Hunter
1: Hunter. <laughs> and knowing that I know like this show is supposed to evoke a lot of like emotional feels. And, you know, as as happy go lucky as the first 20 episodes I feel have been, I'm just waiting to be crushed at some point. Um, no spoilers, please, obviously. <laughs> but again, I'm i I'm just enjoying the show for what it is right now. And I think another thing that I just love about it is that '90s sort of aesthetic to it. Oh, it's awesome! That fucking OP
0: yeah. is amazing.
1: It it just it sounds like something from like, uh, like Dragon Ball, like "Chala uh, He Chala," or even <laughs> like the, uh, original Pokemon um, English opening. So I just love that, and I love that they they stuck with that aesthetic, both visually and, um, audibly audibly (laughs) right
0: (laughs) yeah you're you're not wrong you're not wrong um but yeah we're definitely bracing for impact when it comes to the emotional parts there's already been like a little hint of that in the hunter exam arc but we know it's going to get much much more intense thanks to all the fucking memes out there and who knows maybe after we finish hunter hunter we could possibly do like a a general review episode on strictly anime i don't know if we would ever do an episodic review because 148 episodes is a lot to handle. It'll
1: be like a five-hour podcast. Or
0: like like a five-part review series. Um, but I think we maybe we could do just a, a general discussion on the show as a whole. But yeah, we'll see. If, if you'd be interested in that, let us know, because um, I think it'd be a fun show to talk about.
1: I'm pretty sure that's all the enemy that we've been watching recently. Um, I'm still working through Marmalade Boy, because I... I don't binge as much as Courtney does with shows. (laughs) Um, And that show, I I get it's like a a teen romantic, um, I guess, slice of life anime. So it just has a lot of angst in it. (laughs) That's all I'll say for now. Um, I'm almost done with it, though. So hopefully I'll round that out before the end of the season. But I'm surprised you haven't yet mentioned your... Completion of the Gintama saga.
0: Oh my God, yes. I finally finished Gintama, including Gintama the final and semi final, plus like all the OVAs and all this kind of crazy shit that's listed up on mail. I love it. I, I want to get all the Gintama content I can. So I've been watching everything and it was great. It-, it was just like an awesome ride. It's exactly my type of humor. And yes, I do find toilet hu- humor to be incredibly funny. I love a good toilet humor moment. And the, the serious arcs of Gintama, the I guess the shonen parts of it were awesome. The, the action scenes were fantastic. Um, the emotions were all there. Everything was present. And I don't know, it was just a great show to watch. I think it has everything you could ask for from a well-rounded shonen anime. I, I don't know why I hesitate to call it a shonen anime because it is part of shonen Jump. Maybe it's because Gintoki's older. But I guess it's technically a shonen.
1: Yeah, I know you've been egging me to, to watch this show. And I promise you again, I will eventually. Because <laughs> you've been raving about it. And I've watched like a handful of episodes. I would say the one that obviously sticks out so far is the the Jugem episode. Oh, the <laughs> one where
0: Kyubey gets the monkey and then they have to name it. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I won't spoil it, but that's a that's a good episode. That's a that's a good season. That's a very good season.
1: Or even all the um, hard boiled detective episodes, <laughs> which I remember hearing. Like there's a, the song that goes with those episodes in the background. And I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? Is
0: it on your Spotify now?
1: It, it. I don't think they have those songs on Spotify. I know there's like a YouTube video that compiles all of the songs together, um, but. Yeah, it, it's, it's on my watch list, and I don't know, the, the past week or so, the final, I think, ED has been stuck in my head by Burnout Syndromes. Yeah, it's one of the last
0: ones um, from the final season. Yeah. It's a good song.
1: It's a good song, but again, I, I won't know the context of it. I, I mean, I don't really know the context of a lot of these <laughs> anime OPs and EDs, but yeah, I guess fully enjoying it once I dive into the what 400 episode series or so
0: yeah it's just under 400 i think it's like 380 or something and there's four movies um plus a lot of other extra content so it's a lot i think i it took me about two and a half months to binge through it and i binged hard on gintama i stayed up pretty late some nights probably like 3 4 a.m just because some of these arcs were so good i couldn't stop watching
1: yeah, I know that. <laughs> I could hear those in my sleep.
0: <laughs> but yes, Gintama was fantastic. Um, Gintoki is one of my all-time favorite anime characters, and I'm very happy that I was able to finish it. But on to the topic at hand, which is Tokyo Revengers Part 2, and holy shit, that cliffhanger ending. Um, what did you think, just high level, about this half of Tokyo Revengers?
1: The first thing I noticed was that they stopped using re in their episode titles. Maybe they just ran out of words. They ran out of words, yeah. (laughs) I kind of thought that
0: too. I was like, we should pull it up in the dictionary and see how many re-words they could use that are applicable.
1: Yeah, but it seems like now it's shifted to phrases, which I don't know if they hold any meaning. Um, But I think overall, it was a pretty good second, second half, but I think it also went very hot and very cold pretty consistently um i know it it involved a lot of backstory to the founding of the tokyo manji gang but with this second half it didn't feel as engaging with this focus on it seemed to be focused so much on rescuing baji as it did with you know rescuing Draken in the first half Um, i think it the second half got more engaging when we reached the last couple of episodes but i don't know something about the majority of these didn't really keep me hooked
0: yeah I kind of I, I can relate to that see I think after watching the season as a whole I don't know if it's that this way in the manga but I would describe it as um interesting pacing where they they haven't quite hit the um or, or found the perfect formula for their pacing because this show really hooks me in the most when there's a short arc but once they start to get into a longer arc, again, the Draken arc from the first half or the Spodgy arc in the second half, the pacing starts to get a little bit off and I start to get a little bit detached um, from what's going on. And I think they just need to find that right balance <laughs> of of uh, of pacing through these longer pieces so that we don't lose our, our attention or not even our attention. It's just the vibe kind of dies down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, it's still fucking amazing to watch, but the vibe isn't as high as it is when they have again these shorter arcs or shorter moments because there's some single episodes that are just so fucking good. They're just transitional episodes using your your term um again and but they they just hit so well. Case in point, the the one episode or I guess one and a half episodes where Draken and Mikey are supposedly going to fight and then Takemichi has a piece of poo on his head. Like, that was just such a funny, mm. great episode. I think it was like one and a half episodes. I don't know. But it was just so good, and it was really short, and it just kind of brought us from one point to another. But that was done very well. But again, some of the bodgy stuff here was a little drawn out um, to the point where I was like, okay, like let's just let's kind of move it along. I want to see what happens next. I'm really eager, but I don't think we're getting there fast enough.
1: Another thing that I kind of noticed with the second half is we don't really see Hina as often.
0: Oh, my God. I miss Hina yeah. so much. And,
1: like, obviously she is, like, the main reason that Takemichi is doing all of these things. But I feel like in this season, or not this season, the second half, she just makes cameos here and there. Especially the one where she's, like, on a, like a detective high. Yeah, um, that was cute. Yeah. But it was just odd knowing that the, the focal point of the series rarely makes an appearance um with the second half and i know it again she was more prominent in the first half but it's just weird that she's sort of been sidelined for this whole tokyo manji valhalla arc and with um takemichi wanting to become the head of Toman because i feel like that's that's a plot point that could be explored with like maybe hina does like objects to that but we never really know because she's not present
0: yeah, I was going to mention this, I guess, when we got to the the final episode of this part, but you bring up a very good point that she is the catalyst for this entire story and Takemichi's driving force. I mean, thinking back to um, when Takemichi was tied up in the rain and crying and then Hina kisses him and that is all he needs to get his shit together. He's still a crybaby, but get his shit together um, and make his next move when it comes to the, the I think it was the draken arc. Um, But yeah, I agree. In the second half, she just sort of felt left out or maybe sort of forgotten. And even in the season finale, we don't find out where Hina is in this new timeline or in this new future. Oh, right. Yeah. We hear about Naoto, or rather Takemichi asks where Naoto is or mentions, you know, I don't have his phone number. How am I going to get in contact with him? But not once does he stop and think, is Hina alive right now? Is she safe? And I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I'm sure he was very distracted by the fact that he had all this wealth and success. But again, she is the whole reason this story is happening. And I just, I kind of missed her in the second half.
1: Yeah, all that glitters is not gold. (laughs) Um,
0: But I do want to mention animation. Animation. There's some fucking weird shit going on with the animation for Tokyo Revengers, especially in the second half. I I haven't looked it up. Um, I'm sure there's some reason for it. Probably some sort of scheduling issue or budget issue. But some of the animation was really poo-poo in these latter episodes, especially during the Baji arc, the, the Valhalla arc. And it was distracting. I think there was even one point during the Bloody Halloween episode where... Um, Japanese viewers were tweeting that the fight scenes were really disappointing and then when we finally watched that episode I was like yeah yeah I agree it was not up to up to snuff you you tout this uh big fight and then it looks like nothing basically because it was just still shots blurred over
1: (laughs) yeah which is kind of surprising um because I think the the August 3rd fight seemed like they put more budget into that um so you would think they would treat the ugh, bloody halloween fight as equally but yeah it, it just didn't feel as epic as it should have been and again the studio that was behind the animation for tokyo avengers is light films and i'm not familiar with you know their track record i'm looking through their the television series that they have worked on um but yeah i don't know they, they were just kind of losing steam at the end of it the interesting thing is looking at this list they were behind the 2016 adaptation of Berserk. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so take that as you will, but yeah, the the animation was kind of all over the place here and I know it's the the style of the show is pretty different from what you typically see in anime. Um especially Very with square like, eyes. Yeah, I was going to say like with the eyes, but because of that you you start to notice more how odd things are because of its quirky style.
0: The last several episodes looked great though. There was a yeah. turning point. I think basically after the Bloody Halloween like sub arc ended, like the animation just got phenomenal again. Um so it's not the entire half that that looked odd. I would just say it's it's parts of the Valhalla arc or Bloody Halloween arc, I don't know what you call it, um that looked off. But with that said, I know we're we're kind of sharing a couple of gripes here. Um, I do want to call out that Tokyo Revengers is a great example of an anime with mediocre animation quality, um, but fantastic writing. And that's what makes it a hit. And at the end of the day, you can argue audio, um, animation, character design, blah, blah, blah. But if the writing isn't there, I feel like you don't have a solid show. I think we can probably all agree that one of the most important things in anime or in entertainment in general is the writing. The writing has to be there. It has to be good. And in Tokyo Avengers, it is. It's just so good. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the concept of time here and how time travel is used is something that I hadn't really heard of um, in other shows. I mean, like, more so towards like the 12-year thing, like jumping back and forth. And... You know, I think that's what really hooks me and I'm sure hooks you in is just figuring out like if Takamichi, the things that he changes in the past really do um, create like a positive change for him in the future. And just that huge time jump, even with him not knowing what's happening, it, it's just really fascinating.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this Valhalla arc, um, I had seen some tweets after the halfway point of the season um, from some manga readers saying, you know, anime only people have no idea what's coming. Just wait for the Valhalla arc. And it was a roller coaster. And I I think it's because there's so much more at stake here. It's not quite like the Draken arc from the first part where it's just Draken that's uh, at risk, I guess. Here it's Multiple people, including Mikey, is at risk because uh, we know that in the future, um, before Takemichi changes everything, Mikey had killed Kazutora, and then Draken was on death row because he got angry and, and took revenge and everything and killed a dude. So there's so much more at stake here, and, and people who are so incredibly important to not only Toman as a whole, but to Mikey and Draken that I think the stakes were certainly raised in this arc. But two more quick things before we get into the actual episodes. One, we did find out, or there were rumors halfway through this latter half um, about the Draken voice actor and his wife, Lisa. So it it did kind of feel weird to love Draken halfway through this part just because you know the voice actor um, allegedly was unfaithful to Lisa, the singer best known, not best known, but very well known for doing the OP song for Demon Slayer, Urenge. Um So it was, it was weird. It was weird to listen to Draken and be like, I love this character because you're kind of like, oh, it's a little soured for me. But I think I got over that pretty quick because Draken's still really cool.
1: Maybe it was just method acting for him being a delinquent. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess he could spin it mean, that way. <laughs> I mean, either way, yeah, it's, it's a very sticky situation. But um, maybe this is just one of those cases where you can just separate the the voice actor from the character because i i I love draken as well and that whole situation again as as hairy as it is um i don't think that should take away from people's love of draken himself as a character
0: that's true draken's fucking amazing and still one of my favorites from from the show the other thing i wanted to say is that after this last episode the season finale I can confidently say that Tokyo Revengers has joined the ranks for top cliffhangers in anime up there with... Well, see, I don't know. Should I name those other shows? Because I don't want to be like mad spoilers. But there are other anime out there that have some insane cliffhangers that happen at that season point, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any that, that like completely end on a cliffhanger. Maybe some exists like that. But there are some major cliffhangers out there in anime, and I would say this is not one of them.
1: No, I think this one echoes the season finale of an anime which we recently watched i'm not going to spoil any of that but there is a definite parallel with you know this this black screen thing um that's (laughs) all i will say but yeah it when when that happened i was like what do i do now
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know my jaw dropped i was like what the fuck that's like the first thing that came into my head i'm like what the fuck just happened we have to wait, and we don't even know for sure if we're going to get a season two. I mean, I think we can all like feel pretty good or confident about getting a season two, but we don't mm-hmm. know yet for sure. So until we get that confirmation, I can't you know feel at ease about it. But damn, what a crazy way to end the first season. And I hate cliffhangers. I hate them. But cliffhangers like this, I I can understand them, and I can respect them, because it's doing its job of creating some insane hype for the next part of the story.
1: Or, you know, we could always watch the live action. See? <laughs> yeah. Actually,
0: where does the live action end?
1: That's true. I don't, I'm I don't know. I'm curious to know
0: like what, what arc it follows or if it does its own thing. I haven't heard anything about the live action.
1: I've watched the trailers, and I feel like it delves a little bit. Maybe it didn't. I know it for sure addresses the August 3rd fight. I don't know if it shows the valhalla arc so it probably may i'm sure it also just deviates from what happens in the manga or the anime just so it can have its own contained movie with a resolution but
0: yeah and i know the other argument is just go read the manga i i can't
1: no time for that (laughs) i got too much anime to watch yeah
0: (laughs) i'll hold out i'll wait if i can hold out on attack on titan season four part two or whatever we're on now then i can hold out for tokyo Revengers. same here but all right let's get into it take it away with our with our synopsis and episodic review
1: thank you maestro <laughs> so to start off tokyo Revengers is the 2021 adaptation of a manga series written illustrated by ken wakui produced by leiden films and directed by koichi hatsumi the series focuses on self deprecating low life loser Takemichi Hanagaki, who, through a unique time travel ability, takes the opportunity to save the love of his life from her future death at the hands of a sinister Tokyo street gang. Starting at episode 13 Odds and Ends, we start off the second core with a reminder that even in these alternate timelines, Hina still ain't going to be in rush hour four. Takemichi pays his respects at her funeral, where he Hina's mother presents him with the charged shamrock necklace he gifted to her 12 years ago. In an effort to learn more about how their choices fucked up their last game save, Takemichi and Naoto visit an older dragon on death row, who confirms that Kasaki is still messing with Tomen affairs and destroying everything that Kapo Mikey holds dear. Our crybaby hero swears to Naoto that he will take Toman down by becoming its crybaby leader via the 3rd division captain spot left vacant by Pachin. He is transported back in time to an awkward public bath session with Draken and Mikey, after which Mikey announces the winner of Toman's Got Captain, but leaves us hanging a la Negan at the season 6 finale of The Walking Dead.
0: Let's talk OP and Edie. First and foremost, yes, thank you God, they kept the same amazing OP. Mm-hmm. Such a smart move. This is what Gurren Lagan did by keeping the same song, and I'm just so happy. I'm so happy they did that because... This OP has got to be one of my favorites this year. It There's nothing particular, particularly spectacular about it. Um, it's kind of a semi-standard shonen opening, but all of the pieces, the sound, the visuals, um, the non-spoilery parts of it, which is most of the OP, it all just comes together so well, and I love it. I love everything about it, and as soon as this episode 13 came on and it was the same OP, I just put my hands in the air. I'm like, yes, thank you, thank you. We get more of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and I think this is probably a front runner for one of the top ops of this year. I don't even remember. Was that a um, an award at like the Crunchyroll Awards?
0: I think yeah. I think they had best op. Oh, that's AD. right.
1: Yeah. Not that we should rely on Crunchyroll awards for because <laughs> they're probably biased as fuck. <laughs> no, yeah, uh... <laughs> knowing that this is like a Crunchyroll exclusive, they'll probably just hand that.
0: It'll be like Jujutsu Kaisen yeah. winning like whatever anime of the year, and it's it was a Crunchy Crunchyroll exclusive. Um, you know, very sus there. But yeah, if it doesn't make it on any you know best OP of the year list, then I'll be pretty upset.
1: Mm. Um, but yeah. Like, I just love this song so much for how how unique it sounds, even though it still has that typical Shonen anime OP feel. And I'm kind of surprised, because I don't know if there is, uh, again, besides Gurren Lagann, if there is another show that has stuck to one OP for a season or for the entire series run. I guess Cowboy Bebop, too, with Tank.
0: Oh, God, yeah. Can you imagine if they didn't use Tank in the second half? That'd be crazy. Yeah. But that's also very much an old-school anime or a classic. I feel mm. like back then it was more common to have um, a longer-running OP. Um, but nowadays, I feel like they switch up OPs left and right. Yeah,
1: every, like, six episodes.
0: But regardless, we got more of this amazing OP. I think it's just it's great. I can't say enough about how great it is, and I'm going to miss it when if and when Season 2 comes along. ED-wise pretty fucking chill i really like the song i don't know if it's like my favorite o- or ed song ever but it's a really chill song that fits perfectly for the vibe that toman has
1: yeah i think it, it fits well into the hectic nature of this second arc um with the toman versus valhalla feud um the song is called tokyo wonder by nakimushi i don't find anything particularly interesting about it i'll i'll honest um this was a late addition to my spotify anime playlist um i i was caught off guard by the like that sensor beep that yeah that's kind the, of annoying i will admit that yeah which i think plays with shots of like hina i don't know if like implying that you know she she's been dying in all these timelines <laughs> um but yeah on that note of visuals I it feels like the budget for like the ed visuals was doubled this time around holy shit yeah because yeah you have like these sweeping shots of like the tokyo skyline at night or in the morning which look hyper realistic and i don't even know if if they just used photographs and anime fight it up or whatever um and i know that they use a shot of takemichi from the cover of the first manga volume which is when he uses his thumb to wipe blood off his face, so I thought that was kind of interesting. One thing that I think a lot of the anime community and like anime news media outlets were pinpointing is the removal of a uh, particular symbol um, from the flags and jackets of the Tokyo Manji Gang, um, which was the Manji symbol, which Manji meaning good fortune, and the manji symbol is a a buddhist symbol which resembles or it i guess for our visual purposes it looks like a a swastika like the nazi symbol and
0: reversed right i think that's that's the difference
1: yeah because i know i believe the nazis turned the symbol on its side when they used it as their like national symbol or the symbol for their party or whatever which you know, there's a lot of controversy around this, but I think you kind of just have to understand the use of the symbol in the context of the show. Because I think, you know, the symbol by itself, like it's harmless, but I think you kind of have to remove the association with Nazi imagery, especially because this isn't a show about you know nazis it's it's about just a a tokyo street gang
0: yeah it's not it's not jojo part two yeah (laughs) it's we're talking about nazis unless you're talking about stroheim and jojo part two Mm -hmm.
1: so like this is just my personal opinion but i think it's kind of ridiculous that crunchyroll removed the symbol from um from the visuals here and if uh, people if there are people out there who could have been offended by it you know you could always present them with information on like what the symbol actually means and so they can understand again the context of the symbol within this show because again manji just means good fortune and the gang itself is called tokyo manji so
0: yeah um just to quickly comment on that i I think that you're right it's an opportunity to educate versus remove Um, You know, it's especially for people like us who love anime, we by extension love Japanese culture. And if that's a part of the culture, again, it's an opportunity to educate. And I think having a visceral reaction to it and then taking a, a reactive measure based on that is not the way to go. But it is what it is. It's gone. Let's hope that, you know, these types of things don't keep happening because... I, I love to see anime as organic as possible um, the way it was intended when the people created it. So, yeah, with that said, I do want to go back really quick and talk about the, the visuals for the ED. Um, I just wanted to say maybe this is where the extra budget and time was spent, and that's why the animation got kind of funky the rest of mm-hmm. these episodes. But, yeah, it looks really good. It's The, the visuals steal the show for, for the ED. And on to the actual episode, holy shit, talk about emotion. The funeral part with Naoto breaking down was so incredibly sad. And I think it's harder to watch that part because not only is that his sister's funeral, but he always likes to be the, the straight man because um, he is a police officer. For example, he doesn't ever call anyone by their nicknames like Draken or Akun. The way Takemichi does, he calls them by their their legal names, basically. Um, but this reminds us he's still human and he's still pained by not being able to save his sister and basically have to go through, I almost want to say go through her death twice because he's conscious in this future that in another timeline, she also died. Mm -hmm. So it's like he has to repeatedly go through the death of his sister and that is really, really tough.
1: Yeah, that's one thing that I'm still trying to understand is like how Naoto has this sort of, understanding of everything like of previous timelines and of current timelines and that was yet to be explored here and I don't know if it will ever be explored in the future um but yeah like you said it it was just heartbreaking to see him having to quote-unquote witness his sister's death again in a different light
0: You bring up a good point. I think we talked about this in the part one review of this concept of time travel and how Naoto's handshake is the catalyst for Takemichi being able to travel back in time and that they've basically given us no information about how this works other than the fact that he, Takemichi goes back exactly 12 years to the date and can't go back further further than that or, you know, go back sooner than that um and at this point in the story because they haven't touched on it I'm okay if they don't ever explain it. it it might just be one of those things that you just accept it for the way that it is and maybe the characters themselves don't even understand how it's happening so if we all just kind of shrug our shoulders and say all right well it is what it is and there's more important things to focus on like again saving Hina and saving Draken and all of that so I don't know maybe in the manga they've explored it a bit but if they don't ever touch on it I think I would be okay with that
1: although i feel like there have been characters that have made allusions to this like seeing that you know takemichi had some understanding of of certain events coming up um so i feel like they're they're probably hinting at it but yeah i I agree with you to a point there about you know it's just focusing on what the story is at hand and finding the right future for hina
0: Sometimes in a story, all you need to know is that something is the way that it is, and that's all you need. Um, but yeah, so moving on with this episode, I think another really tough part was seeing the burnt necklace. I, I think that that was pretty brutal. It was also kind of weird because she was burned alive while wearing the necklace, and, and then her mom gave that necklace to Takemichi. But that aside, I think it was a very sweet thing of her mom to do, especially when she, did, she had never met Takemichi. I think, up until that point. Mm-hmm. And later when they go to visit Drakken, uh, Naoto and Takemichi, I-, I was glad to see that Draken was happy to see Takemichi. But clearly at that point, nothing had really changed in the timeline because Draken was still sentenced to death. Um, but going from that moment in the jail or the prison or whatever um, to the time travel moment where Takemichi wakes up in the bathhouse with Mikey and Draken was a good reminder of how close their bond is and um, was kind of a nice juxtaposition to the drama that we had in that conversation with draken just moments before that
1: yeah it's it's i think he kind of makes the contrast of how toman has become this this crime syndicate whereas he reminisces about toman's past sort of like what's that novel called um the outsiders where it was it was just a bunch of these hoodlums that became friends and just wanted to have fun um and so I think like Draken yearns for that past much more now that he's seen the evil that Tomen has become and that kind of resonates with Takemichi as well and again finding the right timeline that will save everybody.
0: Yeah, it's a good reminder for Takemichi as well. Again, that bathhouse moment, um, of what he's fighting for, what he needs to protect and preserve um so yeah i thought that was a nice way to to end that episode
1: by the way i noticed that takamichi wears a red hoodie that says my way yeah is kind of (laughs) like blatant um blatant imagery there i feel like but appropriate in episode 14 break up looks like kisaki is still around to fuck things up as he is appointed captain of toman's third division though its members hold a grudge against his mobius roots Takemichi goes into rage mode and socks Kisaki in the face and subsequently asks Kappa Mikey to banish Kisaki because he is bad blood. Mikey agrees, but only if Takemichi can bring back former division captain Baji, who has defected to rival gang Valhalla. Otherwise, Takemichi can kiss his sweet life goodbye. In a show of good faith, however, Kappa Mikey decides to induct Takemichi as an official toman under Mitsuya's wing in the second division. This has a this I was kind of surprised about cuz I had already thought Takemichi was a member of Toman.
0: I did too, but I guess technically they never showed us any sort of official um what do you call it?
1: Induction. Yes, or- induction. <laughs> <laughs> so they've just been letting this kid hang around them just for shits and giggles. Basically, yeah. yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun. that's kind of weird but
0: So this is the episode where I think we started to see a a pretty big dip in animation quality. Um, I wrote here in my notes, I was like, are there budget issues going on? Because there were a lot of weird lingering shots um, as if they were trying as hard as possible to limit animating the characters or showing faces. Everything felt, or every one felt very stagnant. Um, So I would say, yeah, this is the point where things start to taper off a bit. But uh, in regards to the actual episode, I was wondering, did Takemichi drop another major hint to Mikey that he knows about the future um, when he said Kisaki is going to cause issues in the future for Toman? Because that's a pretty bold statement when Takemichi really doesn't know anything about Kisaki at this point. And Mikey was already suspicious at the hospital after they saved Draken about how Takemichi knew that Draken
1: was going to be attacked. I mean, he just fucking punched Kisaki right in the (laughs) face. Like, that was... (laughs) Probably like that was, I'm sure that was an indication of like what's Takemichi's problem. Um, but you can also argue that Takemichi can sense people's auras. Um, and that's what he was trying to emulate to, to Mikey.
0: Yeah, maybe Mikey just assumes that Takemichi is a really good judge of character. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's, I, I feel like at some point maybe we'll get some sort of, uh, Mikey suspicion arc where he's like why do you know all these things Takumichi?
1: or even that Kisaki is growing suspicious of it too Um, and that again that just falls back to the point about these characters being aware of this concept of time travel
0: yeah Um, I, I have to say I really do love Kisaki's character design they intentionally made his smile just like super creepy and gave him this like punchable face you hate him even more and it's great like it's working the way they designed him it it just emulates everything that he is and does within toman
1: i just realized he he reminds me of this like classmate or this person i knew in high school had the same haircut same glasses and he was kind of a jackass did (laughs) he have a punchable face as well yes he did (laughs) um so i would say that they got Kisaki's villainous design down perfectly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was also like... By the end of this episode, I was like, who the fuck is Baji and what the fuck is going on right now? And we talked about this in the part one review. There's a lot of characters and they just drop them in groups. So every time they start to introduce a new group of characters, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to write down these names. I need to, like, write down who they are and what they're all about because I sometimes cannot keep people straight. By now, obviously, I know plenty about Baji and and what he's all about. But in that, by that episode 14, I was pretty confused.
1: Yeah, it was weird because we get like the captains um from the first half and i still don't know their names especially the whoever daisuke ono plays i don't remember how he looks or what his character's name is. and then he
0: just like shows up again as one of the top execs of toman in the last episode plus i'm skipping ahead plus we get like more new characters from the black dragons in the toman top echelon and i'm like i cannot I cannot keep everyone straight. Like, I, I just cannot. And when Pachin and Peon came back on screen in the last episode of the season, I was also like, which one's Pachin and which one's Peon again? Like, I mixed up their names.
1: I just have to know which one's the fatter one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this episode obviously introduces the founders of Toman, which at this point, Mikey mentions himself, Draken, Mitsuya, Pachin, and uh, Baji. And I think we counted six members in the photo. And obviously we'll learn about the sixth member. But I thought it was just interesting that they leave this sixth member out. And then we start to question why Baji left Homan. So I, th- I think this episode ended on, a, on an interesting cliffhanger that we obviously know more about with the following episodes. In episode 15, No Pain, No Gain, after receiving a Tomen History for Dummies lesson by his good friend Gamagishi, Takemichi is visited at his school by Valhalla member Kazutora, who takes him to Valhalla HQ to witness Baji's initiation into the gang after beating up his Tomen vice-captain. Baji agrees to help Kazutora in his mission to kill Kappa Mikey, and explains to Takemichi how the pair were founding members of Tomen, confirmed by a photo that Takemichi found of a younger Mikey and co that he found after the previous episode's meeting. Baji hints of the fateful accident that changed the course of Tomen's history, but decides to leave that for next week's episode. In episode 16, Once Upon a Time, in a flashback episode to 2003, we bear witness to the heyday of the Tokyo Manji Gang, and quite possibly this series' customary beach episode. Later, a young Baji and Kazutora break into a bike shop to acquire a bike for Kevlomaike's birthday, but are caught by the owner. Kazutora beats the businessman's brains like a bludger ball, but the pair realize that it's Kappa Mikey's older brother. As they are subsequently arrested, Kazutora goes cuckoo and reasons that he must now kill Mikey for causing him to kill Mikey's brother, which makes total sense if it were opposite date.
0: This is a really sad episode um, because clearly Mikey and the other members of Toman or the founding members care about each other very much. And Kazutora is so excited to surprise Mikey with this bike, but then he fucking bludgeons the shit out of his own brother <laughs> and then says it's his, his, it's all his fault. I don't understand. Like, I had so many questions coming out of this episode. Like, why the fuck would Baji reject Mikey and want to go with Kazutora when they had such a, a great bond and Kazutora did something so fucked up? And then why would Kazutora suddenly say this is all Mikey's fault and say he wants to kill him? And I'm like, why is this all seem too convenient? I don't understand. I mean, now I do, but then I was like very confused.
1: Well, I was gonna ask, like, why do you think Kazutora would blame Mikey for?
0: I think what they were trying to tell us in a later episode, um, I think at the end of the Bloody Halloween fight, is that Kazutora had a very fucked up upbringing where his parents were always arguing, and I don't recall, but may have been abusive to each other. So mm-hmm. he just is fucked in the head from that, and. Therefore he feels like it's Mikey's fault, but it wasn't clear to me. Like I'm yeah. still kind of confused as to why he said it's all Mikey's fault and then did it again at the I think at the bloody Halloween fight, he said it again or something.
1: Yeah. Even that cuz I remember that flashback to his childhood, which, you know, it, it kind of explains why Hazator's fucked up, but it doesn't I don't think it specifically explains why and he had that thought process of blaming Mikey.
0: Yeah, and now it's become a huge fucking meme in the anime community. (laughs) It's all Mikey's fault. Like something ridiculous happens and then it's like, it's all Mikey's
1: (laughs) fault. Another thing that I'm kind of surprised at is Baji knows who Mikey's brother is, but he has no idea that they're robbing his shop.
0: Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Like I don't know, maybe he's just not that well-informed about Mikey's family. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know, because you you feel like they are all close friends that have created this gang, and so they would know enough about each other. So I don't know. It's it's kind of weird that you know you don't notice the the sign that it's it's your it's Mikey's brother's bike shop.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it it all kind of seemed way too convenient, um, but still
1: sad nonetheless. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Nonetheless, very very sad and just. I don't know it's like gut wrenching to know that they they had uh, obviously I can't say the best intentions because they are robbing a shop, but they had very good intentions to surprise Mikey and and make him feel, you know, special as the leader of Tomon. And then it all went to shit after that.
1: I think what makes it worse and you find out find out about this in the next episode is that the bike was going to be Mikey's birthday present anyway. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> <laughs> it's like shit. Speaking of the next episode, which is titled No Way, episode 17, after Takemichi realizes that Baji and Kazutora have been plotting against Kappa Mikey since that fateful accident, he meets with Matsuno, the vice captain who served as Baji's punching bag during his Valhalla initiation. He reveals that Baji's real intent to join Valhalla was to expose Kisaki, the presumed head of Valhalla, and the pair learn through Mobius's former commander Osanai, Osanai? osanai osanai Osanai. that kisaki orchestrated the entire august 3rd brawl matsuno agrees to help takemichi become head of tomen in exchange for his help in bringing kisaki to his knees and speaking of partnerships takemichi goes back to the present and joins naoto in visiting draken on death row who reveals that on all hollows eve in the year of our lord 2005 mikey killed kazutora with his bare hands causing valhalla to go ragnarok on the tomen gang I think it's here where we see the written version of Valhalla, but it's written Walhalla. <laughs> oh man, that English!
0: That that ripped me right out of my immersion. I was like, "Hold up, <laughs> what does that say?" <laughs>
1: so, when people want to cosplay from this show, do you think they have to put Valhalla on their jackets?
0: <laughs> Actually, um, just for fun, I did look up some some like. I don't know. Very basic Tokyo Manji cosplay, or not Tokyo Manji, but Tokyo Avengers cosplay outfits, like some of the ToMan outfits and stuff. Um, And then I saw some Valhalla ones, and they did write they did write it with a V, not with a W. So I feel like people will probably follow suit and make it a V, unless they want to (laughs) be like like, real legit and make a W, and then people be like, "What's (laughs) Valhalla?" I think this episode 17 had much better animation quality than some of the previous and really good pacing too. Like this was a a solid episode and I get not every episode of Tokyo Avengers will look great and the quality may vary, but again, some of, some of these episodes are noticeably different or lower quality. So it was nice for something like this, um, this type of episode to have better episodes better animation quality because there was a lot that happened here um and it was pretty pivotal to the story especially seeing baji beat up chifuyu that was pretty fucked up
1: was that in this episode or was that in the previous one
0: oh i'm sorry wait it was in the previous one <laughs> but we get to meet chifuyu yeah and that's important because he got he got the shit beat out of him <laughs> uh, intentionally which is even worse
1: it's just interesting because i guess now technically takamichi has two partners um here in the past with matsuno and obviously in the present with uh naoto
0: matsuno who's that is that Yu. oh yeah i you... call him matsuno but oh I, know it's... I was confused i'm like everyone everyone calls him chifuyu right chifu <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah and you know it's, it's partners that uh, agree to help uh, takemichi on two fronts where it's matsuno will help takemichi become head of toman and naoto will help Takemichi in saving hina so i don't know if that'll ever come in conflict but it was something that i noted here
0: and i'm sure Takemichi's very very appreciative of that because we've gotten so many moments of him in the past where he's like i don't know what to do i have no fucking idea what i'm doing i am just gonna wing it so yeah having chifuyu on his side is gonna be a game changer for him um i will say when it comes to Kisaki, I think by this point, episode 17, because we we get the reveal about Valhalla and, and all this information about the secret leader and stuff where it's most likely Kisaki, I feel like we know so little about Kisaki's character by episode 17 and we only know what we've heard about him from Naoto's investigation and word of mouth from other characters and we only meet him briefly for the one episode where he's appointed captain in Toman, but he's got this amazing ominous presence looming over Takemichi the entire show. It's super mysterious and apparently he's super crazy. And even by the end of this season, we barely see anything about him, yet we get that crazy season finale where he does all the shit that he does and and calls Takemichi his hero. And yet, we still know nothing about the guy. And I think that's how you make a fantastic antagonist—someone whose presence alone, someone whose reputation alone, just looms over everybody and puts everyone in their place and puts the pressure on the protagonist um, to, you know, make a difference here to save he Hina's life. Like it, it's just crazy to me. He's—he's he's been the talk of of everything this entire show. And yet, we're barely scratching the surface with him.
1: Yeah, I would say it's almost like he's a puppet master. Like, he's been pulling all of these strings in order to further his own or his own quest for power in this gang. And, yeah, you bring up an interesting point in that, you know, ta- as much as Takamichi goes through all these efforts to change the future, Kisaki still remains one step ahead of him and still feels like it still feels like we're at an arm's length away from from trying to stop him and i don't know if if that'll just continue as as takemichi goes back into the past and tries to change the future timelines but yeah it's 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 an invigorating change of pace for a villain
0: Yeah, some people argue that you need to have a well-developed character with a solid backstory for that character to make an impact, and Kisaki flips that upside down. We, again, know nothing about the dude other than he looks like some fucking hype beast with glasses, Mm -hmm. and yet he is just as much of a driving force as Hina is in the story.
1: In episode 18, Open Fire, Draken further explains that Kapamaki killed Kazutora, killed Baji on that frightful day leading Toman to become a sinister anime criminal organization under Kisaki's watch. Takemichi travels back to the past, and as Draken tries convincing Kazutora to end the bad blood between Tomen and Valhalla, Takemichi and Matsuno try convincing Baji of the same, but neither take the bait, though Takemichi privately uses his Gia's power on Baji to command him to stay alive. On All Hallows Eve Eve, Mikey resolves that he can't beat up his best boy Baji and resolves to rescue him from the Valhalla vanguard. On the day of All Hallows' Eve, Toman and Valhalla converge at a construction site where Draken requests Baji's return upon their victory and the all-out brawl begin. Oh wait, cliffhanger.
0: This episode in particular went by super fast and it was very, very intense. But it was nice to finally see Hina again because when, as you mentioned, Ta- Takimichi jumps back, it's to a nice moment where she gives him a matching four-leaf clover necklace. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that even though takemichi of the the future is not there in the past his past self is still able to maintain his relationship with hina cuz again we so also yeah.
1: takemichi of the future or hina of the future
0: takemichi of of the of the future when he's in the past oh. he's still able to keep his relationship going with hina oh you're hina right okay, okay. sorry i i
1: heard that wrong. no it's
0: fine and and this is something that we also talked about in our part 1 review is Hina mentions, you know, when Takemichi jumps back to the future, she'll say, like, you got a switch in your personality. Like, you act so mature, and then suddenly you're not mature anymore. Um, and that's a really interesting concept that they, I do hope they explore at some point. But here it's, again, nice to see that things are still going well with Hina, with past Takemichi, to the point where she wants to give him a matching four-leaf clover necklace. And that was just, like, a punch to the gut, because you just remember episode 13, where mm-hmm. it's all burnt to a crisp. Well, not his, but hers.
1: So not so much a lucky charm is it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, They also start to address Takemichi's gaps in memory or they they touch on it a little bit but it still again doesn't make sense to me. So after Draken tells him what happened on Bloody Halloween, Draken tells him you were there Takemichi and Takemichi I guess starts to get flashes of memories from Bloody Halloween but he's confused as to why. So again, it it brings up the question, if he technically lived those moments after changing the past, shouldn't he vividly remember those memories?
1: Yeah, this is where the lore, again, it's kind of broken right now. And I don't know if they'll ever explain it.
0: It's like his memory is still stuck in that very first timeline before yeah. he makes his first jump to the past.
1: Like where he gets hit by the train. Yeah, where he gets isekai to the past yeah.
0: or almost isekai <laughs> It seems kind of quick that we're already at the Bloody Halloween fight by episode 18. And it might just be because the Draken arc felt kind of long and took several episodes to get to the August 3rd fight. But yeah, we were pretty much on the cusp of the Bloody Halloween fight. And I was glad that the pacing was quick enough that we got there at a good moment. But I feel like some of the things that happened afterwards and the fight itself it feels a little bit drawn out but maybe that's because of the crappy animation which we'll talk about with episode 19
1: yeah and i love how the episode just ends with a safety first sign hanging above the fight oh. there's like an irony <laughs> in that but yeah speaking of the fight in episode 19 turn around a brawl of eh, proportions erupts between toman and valhalla as we get a glimpse of kazutora's abused childhood Takemichi pulls the classic Takemichi by being combatively useless as Kappa Mikey faces Kazutora atop a pile of cars. Kazutora sicks two of his cronies on Mikey first before whacking him repeatedly with a crowbar. Someone tell me what the fuck kind of material Mikey's head is made of because this fucker still manages to get up and takes all three of his foes down with a nuclear missile kick heard round the metropolis. Ooh, he mad.
0: So as I mentioned earlier, um, this was the episode where fans complained that the fight was pretty boring and had not so great animation. And there were a couple of notes that I put here because I agree, having watched that episode, like I agree that this this was definitely underwhelming, especially for such a pivotal fight in this anime. They kept panning across still frames and blurring them out and adding speed effects or whatever you call it. So the, the animation was suffering from the beginning. And one of the things that stuck out to me real bad was the animation for Takemichi running through the crowd, swinging his fist. Like, bro, that was real cringe. <laughs> like, I know he was supposed to be swinging his fist wildly just in an attempt to, like, make his way through the crowd, but the way it was animated was more cringe than what he was actually doing, I think.
1: Yeah, this kind of... Him swinging his fist reminded me of a Simpsons episode where Bart kind of does the same thing, like puts his fist in, like, a windmill and moves forward. But that sh- that episode of The Simpsons, which was what animated in the 90s, looked much better than what we saw in this episode. <laughs> and yeah, speaking of 90s, I felt like the, the still images with these blurred lines and effects, uh, that just felt like a-, a 90s anime technique. Like, really? You're going to do that for a show that deserves much more?
0: Yeah. And I think you put it well to say it deserves much, much better animation. and. Again, like, I, I'm not an animator. I'm sure there's a reason that the animation took such a hit, especially for this very pivotal episode for this show. Um, again, it's it's likely budget issues or um, scheduling issues or not having sufficient um, amounts of animators to handle all of the scenes that, that needed to be animated for this fight. But it's just, it's rough. I, I think it's... It's tough when you're in such an intense moment and the animation – shows no intensity at all props to the voice actors though for adding all that background grunting and yelling just to keep up the facade of an all-out brawl but it didn't feel like an all-out brawl to me Mm -hmm. um and it is really hard going from such nice looking animation in the op to the episode itself like that's a stark contrast going from the op into this poo-poo animation for the episode and then going back into the phenomenal looking ed it's it just makes it amplifies the the difference in animation quality. And the whole time I was watching it, I just kept thinking they have some problems over there at Light and Films. Like something is going on. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's not just Tokyo Revengers. It's kind of it's kind of disappointing how there are these dips in animation across anime these days. And it's it's kind of becoming commonplace in the animation industry. Um, and I think it's a sign of the state of the animation industry. I think there's a lot of pressure on anima- animators right now to do some unrealistic things within some unrealistic time frames.
1: Yeah, Rigby is frustrated. Yeah, if too. you heard that
0: little noise just now, that's Rigby <laughs> letting out a big sigh. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's telling of, of the issues that the animation industry is faced with, with these unrealistic expectations. So I hope that it's addressed and...
1: So does Rigby. <laughs> <laughs> Rigby, can I help
0: you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I hope it, that it's addressed and that this gets better because a lot of these fantastic shows are suffering because of it, and more importantly, the animators are suffering because of it. Some of the stories have been crazy. Yeah. But that aside, the episode itself was as intense as it could be, um, given those those difficulties. But I I think. The, the part with Mikey was really brutal to watch. As you mentioned, his head must be made of metal because he took a lot of beating and still was standing.
1: It was made of plot armor. It That's was made, his yes, head was made of. His
0: head is made of plot armor. I like that. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> One quick side note, because I think it popped up in this episode, whoever's doing the subs for the English subs of Tokyo Avengers needs to stop adding those stupid hearts. I'm sorry, it's really distracting. Like, I don't need you to add a heart emoji to the subtitles when I can see what the character looks like and the facial expression that they have and the sound of their voice actor as they're speaking, which already kind of gets across what the heart is intended to evoke.
1: Like I I'll I understand if they'll use it in like a romantic anime or like a comedy anime but <laughs> something like this I think they use it when Hanma was telling Dragon like oh I'm going to beat the shit out of you cuz
0: he's being cheeky right yeah. but, like I get that he's being cheeky I can yeah. see it and I can hear it I don't need to read it too Right <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like they think that's a use of that emoji I guess is more understandable than I know like some subtitles will put in parentheses like certain adverbs or adjectives to evoke what the what that line of dialogue is supposed to be
0: but the the emojis like no no thank you I'm not for that I think it's very odd like I'm not reading text messages I'm trying to read the subtitles of a very intense moment in an anime and I didn't need that (laughs) I didn't need it I didn't want it no thank you (laughs) yeah Okay, last couple of things, because I am skimming my notes here. With the whole Kazutora versus Mikey thing, I found it ironic how Kazutora was basically trying to kill Mikey the same way he killed his brother, Mm. impaling him in the head. Um, And then also Mikey lifting the one dude with his leg while he was going for a kick at Kazutora was so funny. I just, because we all know how good Mikey is at kicking people. (laughs) And here it's just like some dude is trying to hold down his leg and then he's like, nah, and he just lifts the dude and his leg and kicks (laughs) Kazutora.
1: Yeah, you can't underestimate how strong Mikey is, even if he's a, what, 13-year-old or whatever. Even if he's
0: fucking wearing flip-flops, he can still crush your face with his leg.
1: Right. In episode 20, Dead or Alive, Kappa Mikey subsequently collapses from exhaustion as a swarm of Valhalla goons goes in for the kill, until Kisaki conveniently rushes in with a squad to protect Mikey, until until Baji also rushes in to fuck Kisaki up. Matsuno and Takemichi try to restrain Baji from going berserk when he is stabbed in the back by Kazutora for figuratively stabbing him in the back. Baji brushes off the wound and plows through Kisaki and his conniving crew, but coughs up blood and succumbs to what turns out to be a fatal wound.
0: This is the episode where the animation quality started to get better again, um, back to I guess the same standard that it was in the beginning of the show, and it looked great. The episode looked great, and I, I think um, I think it pretty much maintained this level of of quality for the rest of the episodes. Um, but the only note I have here is, what is up with Kazutora saying it's Baji's fault? First he's like it's Mikey's <laughs> fault. Now he's like it's Baji's fault. I'm like these people are trying to help you and they've got your back, and you're just like, no, it's all your fault. I killed the guy. It's your fault.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's like very blatant character development because we'll find out as you know Kazutora gets arrested and goes to prison. First, he says it's Mikey's fault. Then he says it's Baji's fault. And now he comes to real- the realization that it's his own fault. <laughs> wow. <So>.
0: Fantastic character <laughs> development. A+++. <laughs> yeah. Good
1: job, Kazutora. Fucking idiot. Um, the t- only two notes I had here, and this is more just, like, I guess plot holes, is that, you know, Takemichi resolves to save Mikey, which, though you've been saying this the whole time... um, but why would you go through the crowd of Valhalla members that are rushing in after Mikey? Like I, I obviously like they they I'm pretty sure they pummeled him to try to prevent him from going to save him. Like why not go around? Cuz there are multiple ways to enter that car pileup.
0: Yeah, and I was also thinking something similar. I'm like, someone just go help Mikey. Like, he's getting beat up and people are watching it happen and nobody's going up there. I'm like, someone just fucking go help Mikey. The poor guy's getting pummeled in his face. (laughs) Eventually, Baji makes his way up there, but it took a while. We got there, though.
1: Yeah, the other thing is that, you know, as like the crew of 50 Valhalla members faces Baji, Kisaki was just standing around and letting all of this happen. It's like, part
0: of his fantastic antagonist character. Yeah, like okay. he's literally there in the middle of the fight, and he's just watching it all unfold because in his mind, he already knows this is going according to plan. This is what he set up, and he knows that he's got everybody under his thumb. It was great. Like it pissed me off in a good way watching Kisaki just stand there, letting it all play out.
1: Like <laughs> it's just so weird. Like he's just defenseless there, and I don't know. Takimiji could have just gone up to him and just stabbed him. And then that would have been the end of it. Yeah,
0: honestly, that's what Takemichi should do by now is like just fucking kill him already.
1: (laughs) That's the timeline that saves everyone. If you want to get rid of Kisaki, just get rid of him. (laughs)
0: You're young enough, you can just be in Juvie for a few years like Kazutora and then just get out and live your life, man. Yeah,
1: just say that it was Kisaki's fault. Oh, like (laughs) Kazutora. Yeah, yeah, okay. I see where you're going with that one. (laughs) In episode twenty-one, one and only. Kapo Mikey begins pummeling Kazutora for bringing about Baji's demise, prompting Takemichi to pull a Takemichi and freak out about how the future will remain unchanged, until Baji takes the stage and commits seppuku, thereby freeing Kazutora from responsibility for his downfall. Before his last breath, he confirms with Matsuno and Takemichi that Kisaki is a real pussy-ass bitch, and pulled strings to release Pachin from prison in exchange for his position as third division captain. Mikey resumes his pummeling of Kazutora and turns on Takemichi for interfering, but discovers a charm that Takemichi retrieved from a previous Tomen meeting and has a moment that needs some unpacking.
0: Awesome episode. Just really, really good episode. Um, Highlights, of course, Mikey saying the fight's over and then Hanma laughing at him saying it's not. And then Mikey using his crazy kick to knock him the fuck out and says, there, (laughs) now it's over. (laughs) Like that was just perfect like that was a cherry on top of this entire bloody halloween fight um it, it was puts Hamla
1: in his place
0: like. yeah and it's just it's it's perfect mikey mikey's supposed to be unbothered by things obviously with casatora there's a lot of baggage there. there's there's a lot of emotion there but in general he's supposed to be unbothered and this is just classic mikey this is why i love mikey moments like this but we have another moment similar to the previous episode or couple of episodes where Like, Takemichi is just staring at Mikey beating the shit out of Kazutora and narrating what's happening instead of going up to Mikey and trying to stop him. Like, he Mm. knows in his mind that in a certain timeline, Mikey does kill Kazutora by beating the shit out of him. And he knows he needs to stop it from happening to save as many people as possible. And yet he just stares at it all unfolding. And it was kind of frustrating to watch i don't know if it's intentional because that's takemichi's character right now like he's still going through a lot of his growth but i was like the easiest way to solve your problem dude is just walk up and try to stop him yeah mikey will probably punch the shit out of you or maybe kick the shit out of you but you have to do something you have to try
1: and i feel like that's something that takemichi should have learned from the whole dragon arc and the august 3rd fight like that he needs to step in and do something. Otherwise, the future is going to remain unchanged. So it just feels like he took a step back in his character development by, again, being that typical self-deprecating shonen protagonist who thinks he can't do anything when we've seen him do stuff. And I think it's funny because at some point while Baji is, like, taking his last breaths, he hallucinates that Takemichi looks like Shinichiro which is Mikey's older brother and he tells Takemichi like I'm leaving Mikey and Toman to your care but why would you want to leave the, the fate of this organization in the hands of someone who isn't even confident in himself to to take a stand like eventually he does take a stand but it he needs like a lot of encouragement to do so
0: yeah, and also Baji doesn't know Takemichi that well by this point. He Takemichi has shown signs of his intentions to Baji through some of these earlier conversations, um, but Baji doesn't know him that well, so I was actually surprised that he said all that stuff to Takemichi. I think it was just convenient for the plot, um, for the story to progress, but just kind of thinking more practically about it, I was, I was surprised he didn't say something like that to, to Chifuyu instead.
1: Yeah, that's true. And... I think, you know, thinking about this more, I feel like this series has always had these moments of um, catching us as the viewers off guard, thinking that the future is going to remain unchanged, like with Draken still getting wounded in the August 3rd fight, or Baji still ending up dying here. Um, It's like very similar cards that are being played, but as I said, like Takemichi still pulls the right quote-unquote game choice. If we were thinking about this as like an interactive game, that truly changes the course of the future. Um, so I think by him just stepping in to stop Mikey for a brief moment from like punching Kazutora to death was enough to secure a, a brighter future.
0: And speaking of Baji, I feel like we we know a decent amount about his character, but we don't know his true nature up until this episode where he. Commits seppuku to pretty much relinquish Kazutora from the guilt of having killed him knowing that he was probably going to die anyway from the stab wound um and to keep mikey from killing Kazutora. like this is this is the moment for the viewers to understand who baji truly is because we know that he's important to toman we know he's important to to mikey we know through chifuyu that there's some ulterior motive he has with joining valhalla which is ultimately to save and, and protect toman But here we get to see it firsthand exactly the type of person that he is, the type of character that he is. And I think that makes this moment of him basically committing suicide and and dying um, just all that more impactful.
1: Yeah, I think that plays into what Mikey says in the later episode that it's really Baji who's sort of the glue that holds Toman together and that he's the one who has really put his best foot forward in in keeping the founders together like a family so
0: yeah and in the next episode we get more of that we get kind of the the added details um, that reinforce what we discover about bhaji in this moment
1: and so on to episode 22 one for all and all for one kappa mikey reflects on toman's founding with the rediscovered charm and recalls that it was Baji who ultimately created the gang. Toman mourns the loss of one of their founding members as the bloody Halloween comes to a full stop, though Kazutora voluntarily has himself arrested. Matsuno privately visits Baji's grave and reflects on their friendship, while Takemichi and Draken visit Kazutora in prison, passing on a message of forgiveness from Kapamaiki and giving him a badge as honorary member of Toman again, plus an annual membership fee.
0: So yeah, a Baji episode where post-death, we see the impact and the relationships he had with the Toman founders and with Chifuyu. And Mikey ultimately forgives Kazutora for everything and says he's still a part of Toman. And Draken tells him not to kill himself to make amends for everything that he did. And I think the it was a smart choice to give us the, the impact of Baji's death right before all of these pieces with Kazutora because it just amplifies how upset and how powerful Baji's, how upset everyone is over Baji's death and how powerful his death really was um, and how it's then going to weigh on Kazutora, again, being like a fucking murderer because he's murdered two people now. And then for Mikey to ultimately forgive Kazutora for that, like it's it was smart to have those in the same episode side by side because it just both of those pieces complement each other very very well
1: yeah it's i feel it's kind of the opposite from what we saw with uh, the dragon arc where we learned more about dragon along the way here it's after the fact but i still think like you said it's it's as impactful either way
0: it makes the death harder almost um because you know there's no going back You, you already know the fate of that person um but you get to see exactly why they are so important to the story. It makes you think back and appreciate them for the moments you got to see them in the previous episodes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, I was kind of missing Hina. Um, the Valha- the Valhalla arc was really, really good, but we had gone such a long time without any mention of Hina and Nalto and the bigger plan. But then we get the next episode, and that, that made me feel a lot better.
1: Yeah, the only other note I have for this episode is I just love how in the flashback sequence you expect Baji to still be this brute character. Um, but it, it turns out that Matsuno's the one who thinks he's like all that shit. And then he, you meet he meets uh, Baji and it, he looks like just this nerdy guy with glasses um, until we see eventually that Baji comes to Matsuno's aid. And reveals his true nature and that he's part of toman and then he has um matsuno join him later on
0: yeah he was so important to chifuyu that he actually changed chifuyu's personality to be more humble and to be more about the group than about himself
1: Mm -hmm. but i just again it's just that it's almost like um the this is the clark kent um alternate identity for baji and then the Superman identity is how he looks as he's part of the Tomen gang. <laughs> In episode 23, End of War, Draken takes Takemichi to a brothel. The latter believes that it's a ruse to turn Takemichi into a man, while the former reveals that it's just his digs and takes the opportunity to thank our crybaby hero for putting some sense into Mikey before he could go too far on Kazutora. Later, Takemichi Hina... And Naoto spy on Mikey, supposedly making moves on Draken's girl Emma, until they discover that she is his younger sister. Well, there goes that Siscon fanfic. Lastly, at the next Tomen gathering, Hanma is brought on as an unwelcome guest while Draken announces that the Tomen Valhalla feud is going to be settled once and for all. Hala.
0: This was honestly a really good episode with great animation and really awesome comedy. I loved it. I think as like the second to last episode of the season, it just, it hit, it hit real well.
1: Yeah, this was definitely like the, the denouement um, after the climax of the Valhalla arc. Um, And it it, it was just a transitional episode, but I think we just, it's one that was necessary because I think with the intense emotion from the previous episode and with the what the fuck moment of the next final episode, you just needed something to just breathe a bit.
0: I will say Tokyo Revengers has um, has a really good way of transitioning from drama to comedy because most of the show is drama, but then they have these comedic episodes peppered throughout to kind of help us, I don't know, take a breather, but they're still very relevant to the story. Like, Obviously, this episode doesn't change anything, but it helps build some of the other character pieces that we don't often get to explore, like Emma and Draken's, you know, relationship, which is still like a it was like a soft confirmation that Draken likes Emma. And I like that. Like there there's other pieces to them outside of Toman that I think need to and are explored through these types of episodes
1: yeah and hina was just goofy in this one she's
0: back and she's adorable as always <laughs> and as a bonus we even got to see naoto although i will say i was sweating my ass off every time Takemichi and naoto were next to each other i was like what if their hands accidentally touch and he gets sent back to the future that would be so bogus <laughs> oh
1: yeah that's, that's true
0: I was like stay the fuck away from him honestly <laughs> i was surprised takamichi didn't intentionally try to stay away from naoto like i would have been like keep like a, a five foot distance from me at all times
1: but I'm sure Naoto wouldn't even want to touch Takemichi, just knowing that, you know, like he's he's younger at that point and probably wants very little to do with Hina's boyfriend.
0: And she, he's like, you really do like handshakes, Takemichi. <laughs> yeah, which is
1: funny because like in the, the next episode, I know I'm going ahead of it, but in the final episode, there isn't even focus on um, Takemichi going back to the future. Um, it's
0: just like a quick shot of him at Naoto's front door yeah. with his hand stretched out looking very, very stern, like very serious, and Naoto's just like, okay, and just puts <laughs> his hand out. Like, What did he say to him with that type of facial expression just to get him to shake hands? Give me your hand. It's like, come here. I need your hand right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my favorite part of this episode 23 is Draken's jackets hanging up in his room, because... The temperature is dropping. It's starting to, I guess, become fall by this point in the story. And Drakken's changed from a short sleeve jacket to a long sleeve, but it's basically the same fucking type of jacket. And I noticed that right away. I'm like, man, he's, he's really got his outfits like on point. And then he takes Takemichi to his room and there it is just hanging up is a whole rack of these fucking jackets with the same similar type of uh, white geometric pattern on, on a black piece of fabric. And I just, I loved it. I loved it so much. Like they didn't, they didn't need to do that, right? But they pretty much put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it, it's great looking winter drip. Um, it just felt like a, such a cartoony moment though. <laughs> but yeah. He just loves that design, I guess. He
0: wears the same outfit basically year round, and now it's canon. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of canon, um, Emma, as you mentioned, was revealed to be Mikey's half sister, but we also get that soft confirmation that Draken likes Emma, and I ship them as hard as I ship Takemichi and Hina. Which Takemichi and Hina are canon, but still, I, I want Draken and Emma to be canon at some point because they're they're perfect together.
1: Although I feel like you don't see more of their interactions, at least up to this point. But yeah, it it's kind of like yin-yang with them.
0: I think because Draken he doesn't want to show that he's interested in any sort of romance, but it's clear that he has some sort of feelings for her or enjoys being around her. Um, I think that's why I wanted it to happen. I want it to be canon. Maybe it is in the manga, but hopefully it'll be canon soon in the anime.
1: I just love the, the drama that builds up as Draken sees Emma with Mikey. Yeah, he like then... <laughs> stomps over to their table too. Like, why? And <laughs> yeah, like, it, you just think, oh my God, it's another Draken Mikey fight. But then obviously we learn the truth.
0: And by the end of the episode, Takemichi is officially a member of Toman, which again is just weird because he's pretty much been a member of Toman since the beginning of the show. And it's not until the second to last episode that it becomes official. I, I just, I keep forgetting that he's not an official member.
1: I guess this was kind of like his internship. And now he is full-time. He's been hired on full-time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think now he has, because I know Mitsuya said he was personally making um, a jacket for uh, Takemichi, which he only ever did for, I think, the OG members of the of the gang. Yeah. But I think that means now Takamichi has two jackets, right?
0: Yeah, he's got Mikey's from um, when he went to go visit Draken in the hospital and he gave it to him. And now he's got his own. But I think the Mikey one is just like a sentimental piece. Oh. I don't think okay. there was ever any intention for him to wear it, especially because he's not a member of Toman. It's yeah. just more of like a, like a thank you gift, basically.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, Takamichi has his own drip now. Good for him.
0: Speaking of drip just wait till the next
1: episode which is the final episode 24 a cry baby kappa mikey announces the merger of the tomen and valhalla gangs shining praises upon kisaki for the union he also promotes matsuna to first division vice captain and our very own Takemichi as commander an honor which our hero befittingly welcomes with a stream of eye sweat Takemichi returns to the future to find himself as a high-level executive of Tomen minus Mikey, who has disappeared, and Draken, who has been guillotined. Kisaki remains a de facto leader, and while seemingly making amends with Takemichi and Matsuno, reveals that he anime-schemed Baji's death and shoots Matsuno point-blank for being a Judas in snitching about Tomen's criminal activities to the fuzz. Kisaki then turns his gun on Takemichi and sheds tears for his quote-unquote hero, as the screen cuts to Soprano Black against an emotionally reverberating gunshot, will Takemichi return in the Revengers? Who fucking knows? Wow,
0: I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? Everything suddenly fucking hit the fan. I I don't I, I can't even process what happened in the season finale. It's it's phenomenal and crazy all at the same time.
1: And yeah, this was the future that uh, Takemichi hoped for like he technically isn't leader of Toman but he has risen in the ranks to suddenly become an executive and I think you were alluding to the drip of him wearing this knockoff uh, Dolce & Gabbana hoodie
0: yeah so let's I know there's a lot to talk about in this episode but first and foremost we gotta talk about how much Takemichi looks like a fucking hype beast did you see that Dolce & Gabbana <laughs> fit he has got mad drip
1: well, it's called pol- Polo Gabbana or Polo po- Gabbana or <laughs> Poyo Gabbana. Like, <laughs> if you want to be a Spanish <laughs> pronunciation?
0: I just love how he like he makes it to the future and he's looking around and he sees this bag he's got on him. He's like, "Where did I get this designer bag? Like, why am I wearing these clothes? Like, you look like." a fucking hype beast and you got money dude i don't know
1: or i feel like it's it's kind of like the those people who go through midlife crisis and they think this is what the cool kids wear (laughs) but again Takemichi is so uncool that he thinks all this hype beast fit makes him look cool i don't know
0: But I knew something really bad was going to happen when Takemichi was so happy about his success in the new future. Like, it's just too good to be true. And that is very much the case. It is also the first time that we're seeing Takemichi's non-Toman friends in the present. I don't remember their names, but it's like the friends with Akun and everything. Um, And damn, they all got the glow up. And they joined Toman at the end because technically they're part of Toman, right?
1: Yeah, which I'm now realizing, did we even see Akun at any point?
0: No, I don't think so. I think it was oh. just the other three. But yeah, damn, everyone, or four. Three? Four? There's three.
1: Th- I don't know. It was three. three I think or it was four. Three.
0: I don't know. But yeah, everyone everyone has the mad glow up, and Takemichi looks like he's trying real hard with that slick back
1: hair. <laughs> but I'm just concerned. Like, Ak- Akun was one of the people that he wanted to save, and he just glosses over The fact that he doesn't even see Akun as part of the group. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I'm pretty sure you don't see Akun.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And that also plays into how he doesn't ask about like Hina's whereabouts or her situation.
1: Another thing that that caught me off guard is uh, Matsuno, because I thought that was Naoto with the way that he was dressed and with his hair almost the same way. I don't know if it was like supposed to be like a parallel to how they're both Takemichi's partners in different timelines, but oh, uh, that was kind of weird.
0: Speaking of Naoto, I just think that Takemichi needs to memorize his phone number by now because, I don't know, he, he keeps jumping to the future, and the first thing he asks is, What is Naoto's phone number? I don't know how to get in contact with him. And who knows, maybe it changes in each of the timelines, but he should still memorize it in the hopes that it doesn't change so that he can contact the guy because Naoto's obviously going to remember everything that's going on. I, I think in this situation, it's a bit sensitive because Takemichi is a top executive of the biggest gang in Tokyo and Naoto's a police officer. But again, Naoto's the only other person that understands what's going on in the bigger picture. And I'm sure Naoto can put the fact that Takemichi is, again, a top executive Toman to the side in order to work together to figure out this whole timeline situation.
1: Now I'm wondering if the gunshot we hear, this is just speculation, but if the gunshot we hear in The Fade to Black was actually Naoto entering the room.
0: I like to think so. I would really, really like that Naoto plays a bigger part in this present or this 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 new future I don't know how to describe it but I I don't know I really hope that he he's back into the fray because like I said before I miss Hina and I miss Naoto and there's a big opportunity here for Naoto to play a major part in this new timeline shout out to Chifuyu um he's pretty much the goat not only did he stay loyal to Baji over the last 12 years he also helped Takemichi keep his promise of being at the top of Toman by yeah. as appointing him, um, or by appointing him first division captain, chief, what's the the term?
1: First division captain, since he is vice captain.
0: Okay, yeah, captain. Um, and going back a few episodes, he also let Baji beat the shit out of him intentionally. Like Chifuyu is is amazing, and I certainly freaked out when he got shot in the head. But then I remember, like, there's still an opportunity to save him. As long as Takimichi can still make it to the past, he can alter the future and. You know, fingers crossed, save you at the end of the day. The one he can't save is Baji. That's over and done with. <laughs> Baji is not coming back, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's 12 years too late to so jump back to that.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, as you mentioned, the biggest question that comes out of the season finale is why the fuck did Kisaki call Takemichi his hero and shed a tear for him before he's about to blow his brains out? Why? Why? I want to know why. What the hell is that all about? Because Kisaki's fucked in the head... And we know nothing about the guy, we still don't. And yet, yeah, apparently he saw Takemichi as his hero over the course of the last 12 years. What the hell?
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest questions um, to, to launch off of this cliffhanger is understanding, you know, with, within this timeline, how Kisaki and Takemichi, or how Kisaki grew, up to, res- grew to respect Takemichi even though these two characters are supposed to be at odds. I think that just creates a very interesting dynamic for Takamichi and obviously for Naoto because this is someone that they've been pursuing this whole time as the catalyst that started all of these problems with Tokyo Manji, and to now find out that Takamichi had a close relationship or so we can see with Kisaki. It's just crazy.
0: Yeah, you bring up a really good point. I didn't think about that, Um, that this really complicates things. It was pretty black and white before that Kisaki is the antagonist. He is bad. He is the reason these things are happening. You basically need to alter or remove Kisaki from the situation. But now, knowing that there is some sort of bond or history here with Takemichi being his hero, does this mean that Takemichi made the attempt to change the future but in doing so actually made things worse for himself by getting too close to kisaki um and then maybe betraying him i I don't know it just it's a whirlwind to kind of think like what this means because it's so ambiguous but it also opens up the door for so many possibilities
1: but i could call that betrayal a mile away it's that classic um you know villain wanting to ask forgiveness and then the the blatant pouring of the drinks, which I thought all three of them had drunk the whiskey or whatever. I'd have to go back and see.
0: Yeah, I was questioning that too. I'm like, did we actually see Kisaki drink any of that?
1: Yeah, or if he just toasted and just watched the other two drink.
0: Yeah, they should have known better. They already (laughs) knew for a long time that Kisaki was bad news, so the fact that they let their guard down is pretty... Well, here we are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I don't know. That that was a crazy crazy season finale. Like I my jaw was pretty much just dropped to the floor the entire time. And I I didn't think he'd kill Chifuyu. Like I, I kind of knew he would, but I also thought like maybe something will happen where Chifuyu gets really injured but doesn't get killed. Like he just blew his brains out. Like as soon as as soon as Chifuyu started saying these are my last words, I'm like, "All right, you're dead." <laughs> You're dead. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> and I know it. they show like a side shot of, of the gunshot, but that was still, again, pretty brutal. Yeah, even they like, didn't
0: even try to just like pan to something else and have the sound of the gunshot. They straight up showed us Kisaki blowing his brains out.
1: Yeah. And like you said, we know that there is a possibility of saving Matsuno um, in a different timeline, but just to see that up close was... Just visceral.
0: And then on top of that, right before Chifuyu dies, he just casually drops that fucking Draken is dead. That he's been executed. Not even dead. He's all been right. executed. <laughs> and Mikey disappeared. Like, just casually, like, oh, by the way, this is the state of everything going on here. And, you know, just process that all right before I die, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh my God. I, I don't even understand. How many times does Takemichi have to try and save Draken before it actually happens?
1: <laughs> and I think he too, just like Baji, uh, he tells Takemichi that Toman is in his hands. It's like all of these people are trusting this one guy.
0: This crybaby <laughs> hero. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: what makes you trust this guy Who, who, again has very little confidence in himself.
0: I got goosebumps, though, when um, Kisaki said to Takemichi, "Like this is what it means to have the fate of Toman rest on your shoulders. Because I think everyone looks at it in, in such a positive light um, with a lot of hope that Takemichi will make good changes. And Kisaki is almost the realist in the situation, saying Toman's a gang. It's full of violence and terrible things, and a lot of really hard-headed, crazy people and you wanted this you wanted to be at the top you wanted the fate of this entire gang to to be um you know on your shoulders and and you being the one calling the shots this is what that means this is the responsibility that comes along with it and yeah it, it was just a, a dose of reality that Takemichi had not had up until that point mm-hmm. but all in all again amazing season finale as i said before this is pretty much going to live on as one of the craziest cliffhangers in anime and I am just patiently waiting for that season two confirmation I hope it comes soon because I can't wait I I need to know for sure at least that there's going to be a season two after some of the rough animation issues
1: (laughs) yeah again I'm surprised that for a show that's been so hyped this season that they haven't made an announcement yet and no, we are not going to read the manga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People are going to tempt us, I'm sure. And I, I'm going to try my best to avoid spoilers. But yeah, I'll, I'll hold out for the season two.
1: And that brings us to our final thoughts for Tokyo Revengers Part 2. So how many Takemichi tearjerkers out of 10 would you give this series, or I guess this first season, hopefully?
0: I would give it an 8.5. Um, I, I want to give it a nine, but I, I think I, I went down half a point because of the very obvious, very distracting animation issues through parts of the first half and a lot of the second half, um, as well as, again, the issues with pacing for the longer arcs, kind of feeling off and taking me out of the hype at times um but with that said i mean 8.5 solid show with fantastic writing and an insane story which continues to get crazier and crazier it's it's been so fun to go through this wild ride and i cannot wait for season two but what about you what was your rating
1: it's actually the same i would also give this eight and a half out of ten um for a lot of the same reasons you know despite the wealth of exposition that we get with Takamichi's new mission to save Baji, it felt like the, the the second half felt like it dragged a bit with the Toman Valhalla feud alongside its uneven animation quality. But I think we, I can kind of balance that out with how terrific the first half of this season was. And as faltering as the second half did seem to be, I think the series was able to find its footing again by ending with this massive cliffhanger that just feels as wild and as speculative as, again, I'm not gonna mention the series that we watched um, this year, but almost as impactful as that one for for those who know. If you know, you know. And I know that manga readers are hyping up the next arc, which is the Black Dragon arc. Um, I know the Black Dragons were mentioned briefly in the last episode and in an episode previously and i personally don't like to rely on manga readers um, to anticipate like a coming season or coming arc because i feel like they always say oh the next arc is so good but i I do look forward to seeing what's next for what takamichi has to do to get his way out of this current dilemma and it makes me question like is hina just doomed to repeat the same fate regardless of timeline
0: Honestly, I asked that question, too, because so far, Takemichi has not been successful in saving anybody, or at least changing their fates. Like, yeah, sure, he saved Draken from dying on August 3rd, but did he really save him in the long run? No, because in every single other timeline, Draken still dies or is going to die. And same with Akun.
1: Yeah. And I feel like this is something that the series has always shown us time and time again that, you know, in certain ways, Takemichi does change the future for the better but there is always a catch and on the note of Takamichi I just hope that he doesn't continue to be this self-depraving character and that felt like it was at its height in the second half but that he learns to just grow out of that as depressing as these alternate timelines turn out to be and I, I get it like he's called the crybaby hero but at a point you just need to just man the fuck up
0: <laughs> well, I think being shot in the leg and then watching your friend get his brains blow out will that'll probably man him up to a certain degree <laughs> yeah
1: hopefully, but yeah, besides the whole hina thing um I'm also just curious to see if the series will give us insight to why takamichi has these powers or again since there have been characters who are not dropping hints but just very curious as to why takamichi knows so much about future events if they become aware of his time jumping antics especially kisaki because as mysterious as he has been i feel like he has an inkling of knowledge into what takamichi is capable of
0: and mikey mikey's sus dude he's like well not him himself but he's suspicious of uh of takamichi
1: yeah like also why his disappearance like that's also a big big question mark but yeah we'll see as we get deeper into the revenger verse
0: and that wraps up episode 53 of strictly anime if you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every monday Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com, to share your thoughts on the anime we review. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.
1: Later, Takemichi, Hina, and Naoto spy on Mikey, supposedly making moves on Draken's girl Emma, until they discover that she is her younger brother. What? <laughs> younger. She's her younger brother. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> younger sister. Hold on.
0: <laughs> like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> Later. <laughs> oh god. Later. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay.